Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see all of you here, all of you who are here in person, and those of you joining us online from your bed, from your car, from your living room, wherever you're tuning in from. We're so glad that you could join us today. You are as much a part of this family as those who are here in person, all right? Hey, uh, before we start, you know how good and godly and biblical a church is by the coffee that they serve. And I'm telling you, this is a very biblical church, judging from the coffee that they serve. Church that serves bad coffee is totally evil, and you should avoid those churches with all your might. Okay. Now, uh, can we give, you know, we always applaud the band for amazing worship that they lead us into every Sunday, but can we applaud our bar- barista and the team at the coffee car for amazing job every Sunday? Keeping us awake. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so good. And um, it's so good to see many of you here last Sunday as well at our Vision Sunday. It was an amazing Sunday. I felt very strongly the presence of God in the room. And, uh, and the census came out right after. I wish it had come out before. But again, it reminds us how important our Vision Sunday was or what we talk about on our Vision Sunday. Do you know that for the very first time in Australian history, we are no longer a Christian nation, right? Right now, less than 40% Australians identify as Christians. And if you're encouraged by 40%, let me tell you, uh, it's actually worse than that, right? A lot of people identify as a Christian simply because they don't want to be identified as any other religions. But they don't actually know Jesus. They don't go to church. You know, they will never go to church. So this is a very, very sad statistics, which is why what we talk about on Sunday is very important. I think the reason why that is the case for Australia is because for far too long, churches are known for what we are against rather than what we are for. And that's why we want to pivot a little bit. We want to be sensitive to the leading of God. And we want to be known as a church that is for people. You know, we are for our community. We are for local businesses. We are for their families. You know, we are for the environment. We are for a lot of things. We want to be known for what we are for. And if you agree with that vision, if you can support that vision, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, I want you to give regularly so that we can do what God has called us to do. We are unique, I believe, in in the way God has called us in this community to be a church that's outward looking, you know, uh, and so if you wholeheartedly can support that vision, please give regularly, serve with us, pray for us. You know, we need a lot of prayer as well, so we need everyone to come hand in hand and one person at a time, we're going to change our community for Jesus Christ, amen? We're going to be the church that bucked the trend and, and all that, but it's going to take every single person to walk hand in hand and agreeing together and supporting one another, you know, sacrificing uh, so that we see the vision that God has given us come to fruition, all right? Uh, as Peter said, today we're starting a brand new series. Uh, we're going to talk about the subject of the Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. We're going to find out how we can make the reality of God real in our day-to-day walk uh, every single day. And I think it's important for us to lean in over the next three weeks. I believe this is going to be a game changer for us as well, how we can learn more and more to be followers of Jesus Christ, all right? Now, by way of introduction, I want to introduce to you, maybe Pete, you can help me grab uh, that 
for me. Uh, I have a lot of precious things in my house, but nothing more precious than this. This is my Bible. This is actually one of my many Bibles at home. Uh, we are so fortunate living in this country that we have access to this uh, so easily. But this is one of my favorite Bibles, all right? The reason why it's one of my favorites is because this is very nice, leather-bound, it's thin, and the best feature of this Bible is that it is large print. That's right. I'm getting older. I can't read all the small prints anymore. This is large print. That's why I love this Bible so much. I carry it with me everywhere. I put it in my bag. And this Bible has a lot of stuff written on it. It has a lot of highlighted uh, stuff, my notes. It has coffee stain, tear stain, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. It's all here, all right? And uh, this is why what I'm about to say next, I have to say very, very carefully. I am deeply convinced on the authority, the sufficiency, the inerrancy, uh, the, the authenticity of the Bible, all right? I value this very highly as God's gift for me. And this should be God's gift for every single one of you as well. However, having said that, listen to me carefully. Don't say <laughs> otherwise when you get out of here, all right? Having said that, while I value my Bible very much, and I read it every day, I cherish it. Knowing the Bible is not the same as knowing God. Let me say it again. Knowing your Bible is not the same as knowing God. I see the Bible as God's Facebook page. All right? How many of you have Facebook page, or you have Instagram, or TikTok, or whatever, or Twitter? Now, I see the Bible as God's Facebook page. You can know a lot about a person from their Facebook page, right? You know where they've been. You know what they like. You know who they're associated with. You know what they value. You can tell a lot about a person from their Facebook page. But knowing someone from their Facebook page is not actually the same as knowing someone in real life. You can know a lot about God from the Bible, you can know what God is like. You know what He's been doing for the past few thousand years. You know, you know what God values. You know what God loves. You know a lot about God from the Bible. And the more you lean into the Bible, the more you will learn about God. That's fantastic and that is true. But knowing the Bible is really not the same as knowing God. Some of you are friends with my wife Hulda on Facebook. And you think you know a lot about Hulda. And you can tell a lot about Hulda. You know where she's been. You know what latest succulent she bought from Bunnings. You know, you, <laughs> you, can, you know what she ate with me last Monday. Every Monday we have a date, uh, date, date day. And we always took picture of our, of our food and all that. You can tell a lot about Hulda from her Facebook page. But do you really know Hulda? Even if you do, you don't know my wife Hulda as well as I know her. Correct? Because I live with her 24-7, fortunately, right? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, all the husbands here. No, I'm so blessed that I, I, I know her, right? I know her so well. And that's because I get to live with her. That's what I mean when I say knowing the Bible is not the same as knowing God. Now, it is true. The Bible is a wonderful gift from God. And you should cherish it. You should dust it off and read it from time to time. But it is not a substitute for God. It is not a substitute for God. 
Because, you know, if you just rely on the Bible and you don't have a day-to-day experiential relationship with God, it's like, you know, walking away from your wedding with a photo album and not with your bride or not with your spouse. That's stupid, isn't it? You know, you walk away from your own wedding, not with your partner, but with a, with a photo album. You know, that's what it's like when you think you know God from the Bible, but you don't really have a day-to-day, uh, week-to-week, month-to-month, hour-to-hour relationship with Him. But do you know what's amazing? Not only did God give us this gift, of His Word, the Bible, but God has given us another wonderful gift as well, right? And Jesus told us about this gift. Actually, before He was about to be crucified, before He he was about to leave His closest friends, His closest followers, He knew they were going to be sad. He knew they were going to be upset. He knew they were going to be distressed. And Jesus knew He would die and rose again, but eventually He would live his friends, his followers, and Jesus wanted to make sure that they knew that they're not going to be left alone. So Jesus, knowing their future worries and discomfort and maybe fear, this is what Jesus said. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. Other translations say comforter, encourager, helper, to help you and be with you forever. And I'm talking about the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and He will be in you. And this is fulfilled in the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came upon the people and lived inside of them. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, I want you to pay attention to the pronouns that Jesus uh, used in this promise. The Holy Spirit is referred here as He or Him, okay? What that means is the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not just a power. The Holy Spirit is not just uh, an authority. The Holy Spirit is a person that can be known, that can be heard. The Holy Spirit is a person that can be grieved. That's the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe me, not only did Jesus use the the personal pronoun to to describe the Holy Spirit, but listen, when He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to give you another advocate, in the Greek, now you got to put your thinking cap on a little bit with me here. Pete, you can have this back. There's money inside, don't steal it. Okay. <laughs> when Jesus says, uh, the Father is going to give you another advocate, in the Greek, that's alos parakletos. Now, I just want to pay attention to the word alos first. In the Greek, the word another, uh, there are two words for another or other. One is heteros. Heteros, that's where we get the word heterosexual, for example. That means it's another of a different kind. That's heteros. But there's another Greek word for another, and that is alos. Alos means another, but of the exact same kind. So what Jesus is saying is very powerful. The Father is going to give you another advocate that is of the same kind as me. In other words, my spirit will live in you. Isn't that amazing? That's like really, really, and and this spirit is going to stay with you forever. He's not going to come and go as he pleases. Jesus promised not to leave them orphaned. 
Alright? That's why the Holy Spirit is a person that God gives to be with us. Parakletos uh, means someone who walks alongside. Literally, that's what it means. Someone who walks alongside. And we understand this. The word para uh, in the English language, for example, we get the word parallel. That means it's something alongside, right? So the Holy Spirit is someone who walks alongside us by living inside of us. Isn't that remarkable that every single one of you has the Holy Spirit inside of you? Why? Because God wants you to experience the reality of His being every single day of your life by being present in your life. That's number one. The Holy Spirit is the agent of God's presence in your life. He wants you to know that He is with you always, all the time. All right? And this is wonderful. You can, say this, it, you can say it this way. The Holy Spirit is God up close and personal. The Holy Spirit is God up close and personal. I want to play a little game with you. When Jaden was younger, when Jaden was small, uh, we like to play this game called Would You Rather? And usually Jaden started this game. And he would ask me a question like this. Hey, Dad, would you rather... Lose your eyes or lose your legs. It's usually something gory, you know. Would you rather lose your eyes or you lose your legs? I said, neither, Jaden. No, no, you got to choose. Would you rather lose your pinky or your thumb <laughs> or something like that? Now, I want to play a would you rather game with you today. Would you rather have a signed um, autograph photo of Chris Hemsworth or would you rather... Have a three-hour date with him. Which one would you choose? Or would you rather have a specially made selfie video of Ariana Grande just for you? Or would you rather have an all-access backstage pass to Ariana Grande's future concert and you have access to her, eat with her backstage and all that and mingle with her? Which one would you rather choose? <laughs> now, Nobody in the right mind would choose a photograph or a selfie video, right? You would rather spend your time with the person himself or herself. And that's exactly who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God up close and personal. God wants to be with you because God knows that you need Him, that you need Him every single day of your life. Now, not only does God want to be present in your life, but He wants you to be conscious of that presence as well. Every one of you has the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but not all of you are conscious of His presence in your life. And that's why life is powerless. That's why your life is weak. That's why you have no direction in your life, because you don't even know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and is present with you every single moment of the day. The Holy Spirit not only wants to be present with you, but He wants you to be conscious of His presence as well. How many of you have ever driven down the highway and then suddenly you looked up in your rearview mirror and you saw a police car behind you? Did you notice how it immediately changed how you drive? Immediately you put both hands on the steering wheel your mobile phone magically flew from your lap to the passenger seat, right? Suddenly, you adjust your mirror. You 
let your foot off the grass a little bit, follow the speed limit. Suddenly, it's like driving test all over again. <laughs> Suddenly, you are the best driver Perth has ever seen. Simply because you have an authority figure that you notice presence in your life while you're driving, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a cosmic policeman who looks over your shoulder just to catch you doing something wrong. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit wants you to be conscious of His presence because His presence will change everything. His, when you're conscious of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, it changes your outlook of life. The Holy Spirit will convict you of stuff. By the way, you know, again, I'm just want to, I just want to reiterate that the Holy Spirit is not a cosmic policeman who wants to look over your shoulder. No. Remember Romans 8.1, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now, not when you die, but even right now when you, when you still do something, uh, things wrong. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit does convict. The Holy Spirit does convict you to get your life in order, to get your life right, also to remind you of who you are in God, that you are God's sons and not God's daughters, that, that God is with you always. That's why His presence is so important in your life. The presence of the Holy Spirit is helpful for us to in, in the way we see the world, right? It changes the way we live our life in at least this way. The presence of the Holy Spirit is actually the antidote to a lot of our fear. I know, even though I'm a pastor, <laughs> I do have fear, right? I do. I'm not, I'm not a regular person just like you. And you know who else knows that I can be fearful from time to time? God knows. Jesus knows. In fact, God knows it so well that all of us have the tendency to be fearful. That is, that the number one most spoken commandment in the Bible. Do you know what is the number one most spoken commandment in the Bible? Is this. Fear not. Number one. Somebody actually did a, a count how many times the command fear not appears in the Bible. You know how many times? You can check it at home. I haven't checked it, but you can check it if you want to. 365 times. Kid you not. 365 times the word fear not appears in our Bible. One for every single day. Why? Because God knows. We have a tendency to be fearful, right? And you know what's the number one most spoken reason why we should fear not? It's this. Because God says, for I am with you. That's why you shouldn't be fearful. Not because the giants are not as big as you think. Not because the challenges are not as tough as you think. No, the challenges may be tough, super tough. The giants may be super big. That's not the reason why you should not fear. But God says, fear not because I am with you. Isn't that fantastic? When Joshua took over the leadership from Moses, he was about to enter the promised land. And Joshua, all he had was a ragtag army of ex-slaves, right? I mean, these people didn't know how to wage a war. Like, they didn't know how to fight. 
No wonder Joshua had a big shoe to fill in Moses. And he's about to enter this promised land with giants, with people that are so powerful. It's like, un, it's, it's just, you know, enough to put the fear of God in any, anybody. And that's why God, knowing this, said this to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's easy for Joshua to be discouraged, to be fearful, right? <laughs> Why not? It's easy for you to be discouraged and to be fearful. I, I get it. Man, nowadays, just look at your social media. That's why maybe you shouldn't be watching news anymore. Everybody is fearful of something. We fear the virus. We fear the vaccine. We fear the <laughs> prices going up. You know, we fear about the environment. Like, we fear about a lot of stuff. Our own family, our well-being, our retirement, you know. Yeah, Jesus understands that. God understands that. But here's the commandment that God gave to Joshua that he's giving to us. Now, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Not because... Those things are not real that we are facing because the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. And this is what David, the psalmist, understand. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because the valley is not dark. The darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You know, the rod is used to, to, to hit the, the sheep, to, to, to go back to the safe path. And sometimes God does that to us, right? He will hit us as, as a way of discipline because He loves us. See, the discipline from God is something to be thankful for, you know? Because that means we are His children because God only disciplines His children. But then His staff, you know, like pulling us back, it comforts us. That's what it means, you know. There's something about the presence of God that can alleviate all kinds of fear from our lives. And this is exactly what the disciples experienced when Jesus promised them the Holy Spirit. You know, Peter and John and the other disciples, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, so powerfully, so boldly, that the religious leaders were fearful of them. And they, they, they threatened to, to persecute them, to put them in jail, and to even kill them. So what did they do? They bend together. <laughs> they bend together in gathering like this. That's why the gathering like this is so important for us to just be reminded again of who we are, who we have in God, and so on. So they gathered together, and after they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, and something amazing happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and as a result, they spoke the Word of God boldly. They had zero fear. <laughs> Even though they were threatened with persecution and, and death and, and all that, but they had zero fear because the Holy Spirit lives in them. They spoke the Word of God boldly. That's what's amazing about the presence of God in your life through the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. When you go from this place today, be mindful that God is walking alongside you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Be mindful that He lives inside you. You can speak to Him, you know, because He's a person. When you have such deep 
angst or anguish in your heart and you don't even have the right words to say and you wonder like, God, I don't even know where to begin to pray. Like, I don't have the right words. But you know what? God knows. Paul says, you can just groan. Even when you groan, God understands. The Holy Spirit who lives inside you understands. That's what His presence is for, okay? Not only the Holy Spirit is the agent of God's presence, He is also the agent of God's power in our lives. Do you know you have a lot of power at your disposal? And whenever you read the Bible about the Holy Spirit, you, you cannot escape the, the strong relationship between having the Holy Spirit and having His power in our lives. Listen to what Jesus said to the disciples when they were waiting in Jerusalem. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was about to be taken up to heaven. And this is the commandment of Jesus to the disciples, to the apostles. Stay here in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. They asked Jesus, when will you come back? When are you going to restore the kingdom? Jesus said, don't worry about that. But here's what's going to happen. You will receive power, not wealth necessarily, not fame necessarily. I know some churches that teach you that when you follow Jesus, you get healthy, you get wealthy, you get all of that. Yes, but that's not guaranteed from God. This is guaranteed from God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when you receive this Holy Spirit that comes uh, with power, you will be, not you may be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. But the condition of them being a powerful witness of Jesus Christ is that they had to receive the Holy Spirit first. See, the two are related. See, the word and, that indicates sequence. Something must happen first before the next thing happens. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and sequentially after that, you will be my witnesses, telling people boldly about me everywhere. So this power that God promised the disciples, He promised to every single one of you who called Jesus as your Savior. Do you know that? I know a lot of people don't realize this because you heard maybe different teachings. Some people say, unless you speak in tongues, that means you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Or unless you do certain things, unless you exhibit certain characteristics, certain behavior, that means you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Let me tell you, nothing could be further from the truth, okay? I guarantee you, just, just because a lot of people say that doesn't mean it's biblical. You have to always go back to the Bible and check what people tell you, what people teach you, and make sure that that's exactly what the Word of God teaches you. This is the Word of Jesus Himself. This is not my word, so, you know, if you have any problem, take it to Jesus, right? Jesus says this, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart if you drink from this water that Jesus promised. When he said living water, what did he mean? He was speaking of the Holy Spirit, who, this is the most important part, who would be given to some people? would be given only to the Charismatics, to the Pentecostals, to a certain group of uh, spiritual Christians? No. 
He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to, everyone say it, everyone. Everyone who believed in Jesus would be given the Holy Spirit. This is a guarantee from Jesus Himself, not from me. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you know, you cannot confess Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So any one of you who wonders whether or not you have the Holy Spirit, ask yourself, do I confess that Jesus is Lord? If you can confess that Jesus is Lord, that means you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Apostle Paul said. So the power that the Holy Spirit brings is available to you and to me as well. And that's very important, right? This is what Jesus said. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. You know why a lot of Christians walk around this earth powerless and weak and empty and directionless? Because they don't have, they don't live with the power of the Holy Spirit in them. You know, and this is, the, this is what we need. It's not by strength, it's not by might, it's by your spirit, says the Lord. You know, it's very important that we realize this. If you just tap onto this amazing reservoir of power in your life, man, <laughs> I guarantee you, your life will be totally different. It will be totally different. That power that comes with the Holy Spirit is available for you and for me. Why did He give us this power? Because He has a special purpose for you and for me. Yes, we have our own vision, what our life should be like, you know, our retirement, our family, our career. That's fantastic. I mean, and, and again, God, God wants you to be blessed, by the way, in those areas. As long as your vision for yourself, for your family, is in line with the vision that God has for you for the greater purpose in this world. Because God has in mind for you something far greater than just your own pleasure, than just your own well-being, than just your own comfort. God has a special mission in our world. Jesus said so himself in Matthew 28, you know, make disciples of all nations, teach them everything that I've commanded you, you know, and, 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 and baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, God through Jesus Christ has come to our world 2,000 years ago to redeem the world to himself, to redeem the whole creation to himself. And now he leaves that to us to carry on this amazing work that Jesus has begun 2,000 years ago. So God has a far greater purpose in your life, in my life, than just our own little comfort, than just our own little church, than just our own little family. All right? Someone once said this, power with no purpose is dangerous, but purpose with no power is pointless. You can't carry out that purpose without power, yeah? And the power is given for a purpose so that you can do great things for God. That's number one, right? Listen to this. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There you go again. Jesus went around doing good, healed all who were under the devil's power. God was with him because the Spirit of God with His power was with him. You know, God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit so that we can do great things in this world. Many of you underestimate yourself. You don't even know the power that you have within you because you have the Holy Spirit. When you go for that presentation, you know, you can tap into this power bigger than yourself. You know, English is not my first language, right? 
You know, when I moved to this country, I was as a 17-year-old boy, I spoke zero English. How is it that Sunday after Sunday, I stand here on this stage speaking to you the Word of God in the language that I didn't even speak when I was 17 years old? Because I tapped into the power, I believe, that I didn't even realize I had. It's the grace of God. It's not my might. It's not my power. It's not because I'm clever. It's not because I'm smart. But just tap onto the power. It was, it's fearful for me to be standing here and speak to you, right? With my messed up grammar, you know, like all kinds of stuff that can go wrong, could go wrong. But we have a power that is available at our disposal. You know, when you think you can't forgive that someone who annoys you, not just annoys you, but really hurt you deeply, you say, there's no way, there's no way I can forgive. You can tap onto that power. You know, when you can't love people, when you're about to call it quit, when you are under depression or anxiety, and you think like, that's, that's it, that's the end of the line for me, you know you can tap on the power that the Holy Spirit makes available to you, right? But the power that the Holy Spirit gives is not just for us to do great things, but also the power. It's not just the power to do, but also the power to be. Also the power to be. Last verse for the day. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Do you know that left to ourselves, we like to follow this, this skin, this flesh. Jesus says the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our soul, our spirit has been redeemed by Jesus, but we are still trapped in this body, right? This body is wasting away, the Apostle Paul says. It's like a tent that is wasting away. Not only is this body wasting away, but this body, sarks in the Greek, it has sinful nature in it. It just wants to do wrong, all right? Everyone is sinful. That's what the Apostle Paul says. So if you live your life just following the desire of your flesh, that is not God's will for you. God has something so much better in mind for you, right? And the way you do it, the way that you can be whoever God wants you to be, it's not just about doing, it's about being now. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, right? When you walk with the Spirit, then you can bear the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I want us to go from this place today. This is only the, the first part of our three-week series. Make sure you come back next week. Tim is going to bring in a powerful message to continue this conversation. Make sure you come back and bring your friends, okay? But as we go from this place, what I said just now for the last 30 minutes is just I call it halftime talk, all right? Imagine two professional teams, you know, battling it out. Now it's halftime conversation. I'm here to inspire you. But you go from this place 
live your life Monday until the next Sunday. Your job is to finish the game. Your job is to follow Jesus. Gone is the day when we just hope and pray that people will come to our church and know Jesus. I mean, we created this environment so that when they do come, we, they won't be judged, you know? We will welcome them. They will understand what we're talking about. They will feel included. That's, that's our guarantee. That's our desire. That's our promise. But you'll be sadly mistaken if you think people in your community will come to church just like that, simply because we have a nice building, we have a nice music going on. It takes every single one of you to follow Jesus where you live. It takes every single one of you to tap onto that presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, to be the best husband that you can be, to be the best wife you can be, to be the best dad, the best mom, to be the best worker at work where you work with such integrity. You don't steal the company's time. You know, you, you, you go above and beyond until people realize like, these Christians are different. I don't know what it is about them, but they, 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 they have this peace that I can understand. Even though there's so much pressure at the workplace, you're always positive. You always say yes. You're always there to help. That's what it takes for us to win a community for Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus was like. Jesus was irresistible to the people. And unless we are like that, and unless we tap on that presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, a lot of people will continue to stay away from church because church is not a building, is it? Church is not a facility like this, no matter how nice. Church is all of us. Church is you. Church is me. So go from this place. Live your life in such a way that you'll be attractive for people to want to follow Jesus. Amen? And the Holy Spirit will never leave you. He promised you. When you're like scared, like what do I say to this person? The Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say. When you're wondering, like how do I encourage this person? The Holy Spirit will give you the right word to say. You know? When you don't know how to behave, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Just tap onto His power. Be mindful of His presence. You'll notice your life will start to be different. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand on your feet right now? We're going to close our time here. Sorry, my time is up. But it is a custom in our church to be dismissed by receiving a prayer of blessing. And afterwards, our prayer leaders will be standing here. They would love to pray with you and for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website, visit therocks.church.